Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on this Friday night of Breaking with Brett Jensen. As always, 704-570-1110 is the telephone number. And guys, follow me on X at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest and breaking news in and around the Charlotte area as we continue our primary preview. And we've been specifically looking at District 8. We had Mark Harris on in December. Then we had Don Brown, Don Brown on last week. Wednesday night, we did Lee Brown. Last night, we had John Bradford in studio. And today, Alan Balkum is joining me for an hour-long conversation about District 8. And a lot of people think that Alan Balkum is the dark horse in all of this because he's so well-known in Union County, and Union County makes up 38% of the vote in District 8. And so Alan is joining me now. So, Alan, first of all, thank you for doing this. As we, I know like the people, the early voting started on Thursday, and you know things are kind of hectic for all the candidates right now. So, first of all, I really do appreciate you joining me. Oh, no, it's my pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity. And as you said, early voting started yesterday. And uh, gosh, it's uh, it's just wonderful to be here with you. Well, thank you. And so, okay, so I, I start every interview with the exact same question, and I end every interview with the exact same question. So the first one is, I mean, you've been in Union County multiple generations, seven, eight, nine generations. Your whole family's from this area, so you born and raised and yet you've never decided to run for Congress. How did you wake up one morning and go, you know what, I'm running for Congress? Well, first off, I didn't wake up one morning and decide to run for Congress. Uh, In fact, it was not on my radar at all to run for this position. It was, I knew who I was going to support after Dan had definitively told me he was going to run for Attorney General. And let me just say, He's the best congressman I've ever had, Dan Bishop. And I so much want everyone to vote for him for attorney general. We can have great things happen for this state for a long, long time with him as attorney general there. But when he uh, definitively told me that he was going to run for attorney general, I knew who my candidate was going to be. And it certainly was not me. and that person kept saying, no, I'm not sure, I don't think, I'm probably not. And finally, when, uh, when Dan announced publicly that he was not going to run, that he was going to uh, run for attorney general, then that person called me and said, hey, I've got the team put together. You're our guy. And I said, whoa. Then it took me about three weeks to decide. Lots of prayer, lots of thought went into it. And uh, the reality is I'm in a position in my life where I can, from a business perspective, from a personal perspective, that I can do this. Uh, I feel I'm qualified to do it from a different perspective than some of the candidates are. But I I can be effective. I will be effective. And uh, so I'm doing this, and... Uh, my position, if it's God's will, as I, as, as I perceive it now, then I'll be elected. 
And if it's not, I'll be good with that. We're speaking with Alan Balkum, who's running for the congressional seat in District 8, which I've told all you guys many, many times. It's the southeastern part of Mecklenburg County, half of Cabarrus County, Union County, Stanley County, and just keep going east. Just keep going. All the way to Lumberton. Just keep going. And, past. And past Lumberton. That's exactly right. Okay, so let's – I want to talk to you a little bit about, you know, you announced pretty early on that you were going to run – were you surprised when the others jumped in, whether it's Bradford, Lee Brown, Don Brown? Did some of that actually surprise you that these people started jumping in? Oh, absolutely. Uh, didn't Lee Brown did not surprise me from the standpoint that she had she had run before. Uh, Don Brown, uh, totally out of left field from a surprise standpoint. Uh, John Bradford, oh no, he was going to be uh, he was running for. Uh, treasurer, treasurer. Yeah. and and then for in the tenth district, and then the last day of filing, I think switched to the eighth, and so uh, yeah, that was a surprise. But what were your thoughts when you? I interviewed Mark Harris in June at the North Carolina GOP convention in Greensboro, and I asked him then. I said, "There's a lot of rumors saying that if Dan Bishop goes for AG, you're going to jump in." And he didn't deny any of that. He just said, well, we'll consider it. But everything I had been told, he was going to run. How early on did you know that he was probably going to run? Uh, That I anticipated he would run probably early July. That I felt confident that he was going to be a candidate. So you said just a moment ago that you feel like that you're, you're, you're qualified and you've got the credentials. I know that you served in the Union County Commission. Why do you think that qualifies you, or what in your past qualifies you to serve in Washington in the congressional as a congressman? Sure. Well, the the commissioner component is only one segment of it. It's really the reality is it's more from a business perspective and life's experience perspective that uh, from the common sense and that all the success I've had has been with people. It's relationship building. I'm a firm believer that that people deal with people. And you have to establish relationships with people. You find people that are like-minded about whatever it is you're attempting to accomplish, and you work with them. And uh, and that's how you, you, you achieve results. Last night when I was speaking to John Bradford, he mentioned a couple different times that you had raised taxes while as a commissioner in Union County. So is there anything that you'd like to say about that? Is it true? Is it not true? If you did, why did you do it? Like so, but he was talking about property taxes. So can you, can you address that? Love to. Uh, I don't know where he's getting his information, but it's certainly not from the minutes of any commissioner meeting for the years that I served as a commissioner because all the years I was a commissioner, I voted against every budget. Even the budget, there was one budget that had a tax cut and I voted against it and it's the rationale is in the minutes that my rationale was that I wanted an additional cut. So it, uh, it, it not to call him out, but to call him out, he's wrong. No, from my understanding, though, there was at least one time that taxes went up while you were serving. Is that correct? 
the taxes went up, but they went up a little over two cents uh, in that one instance. But that was to meet the obligation, the new obligation for a, a bond that the voters had approved, and that and it was only for that amount of that bond, and uh, and I voted against that because I felt like it by the budget I saw cuts that we could make and reduce the budget, so I voted against that. Speak with Alan Balkum, who's running for the congressional seat in District 8, and there's six candidates in that, and five of them will have been in studio with me, and early voting started yesterday. How's the campaign going, by the way? Feels good. And, and I'm, I'm not naive enough to believe that people will always tell me the truth, but uh, people I respect, people that I know have my best interest at heart and will be honest with me, tell me it looks good, and then uh, the managers of campaigns say it's, it looks good. It feels good. It feels right. Uh, the successes we're having uh, across the district, they feel good. Have you spent a lot of time down in the far eastern part of the district, you know, in Robeson County and, you know, in Scotland County and all those areas down there? Have you spent much time down there? I have. In fact, uh, those <laughs> I own farmland there. And uh, so it, it's, it's a natural. I know the people there, and uh, I know the people across this district. And this is one of the, the real reasons that I feel like I'm qualified is because I do know the people. And one of the, the key components of being a representative to Congress is to represent the people, to be that liaison between the district and D.C. And so I know, I know these people. And so, yes, I've spent considerable time there. I've asked the other candidates this question. The two ends of the district could not be more different between Robeson County and Scotland County and Mecklenburg County. Different types of people, different types of needs. How do you meet the needs or how do you go about making sure that both ends of the spectrum are represented and served up in Congress? Because they're entirely different. And, well, I should say entirely different in many ways. Not every way, but no. in a lot of ways. Well, there, there, there's, there are differences, and there's some key differences. But the reality is that the majority of the people that I know in, across the district, from Mecklenburg to Robeson County, they're conservative people. And they have conservative values. And they don't like the direction that they see this country going and they want to see the change. They want to see change made. They want to see change made sooner rather than later. And uh, th- those are, it's not about the wealth of any individual. It's not about the job that any individual has. It's not about the vehicle that they drive. It's about their value systems. And, uh, and that's where I go with it. When we return, we'll continue our conversation with Alan Balkum. He is running for the congressional seat in District 8. As we wrap up our primary preview of that particular district, I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen here on News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. As we continue our primary preview, looking at the congressional district of District 8, and 
And Alan Balkum is the fifth candidate to join me out of that district as we sit down for a long-form interview. And so, Alan, again, thanks for doing this. I want to ask you something that I've asked all the other candidates. What is the biggest need of this particular district? I think it's uh, for the people to have confidence in the political arena again. And that being from Washington to Raleigh, to the local levels, that uh, that government, by and large, is not respected anymore, and I'd like to see that restored. I'd like to to let's bring ethics uh, to where people understand, appreciate, and respect government. Uh, that we understand the civics that we used to have in school and, and, and their appreciation for where we come from and how we got to where we are and what it's going to take for us to keep going. If you had a chance to go to Congress, is there a particular thing that you would like to do for this particular district that you say, you know what, whether it's immigration, education, crime, like those are always the hot talking points. But is there anything specifically that you go, you know what, this district could really use this or it would be really beneficial for my district if this happened? Well, I have to- told uh, members of the Lumbee tribe that one of the first bills that I would introduce would be for their recognition. And uh, I firmly agree to that uh, because... Not only do they deserve it, but it is, it's good for the district because it will be good for the tribe, but that rising tide floats all boats. And they're sitting there with such an economic potential in that area, and it's, it's so underused and underserved that I think that recognition would go a long way in helping that area of the district in particular achieve some some success that they so well richly deserve. I want to go back to your times as a county commissioner and of being a very successful businessman. So obviously you understand funds and money and budgets like that. How do you even go about trying to fix the budget in the U.S. debt as a congressman, or is it just too far gone to even try and fix? Never too far gone. That's number one. And, and it's, it's about developing those relationships with people that are like-minded to achieve the re- desired results. One is a constitutional amendment for a balanced budget. And, uh, and if it doesn't pass it, at a minimum, it puts those that oppose it on record as opposing to where the voters can take and make adjustments the next opportunity they have. Secondly is let's get to a line-item budget to where we're not voting on on one thing, and we got 20 other things that are involved in it. Then let's take and get to a zero balance budget, and uh, where we start. That we haven't had a balanced budget since 2001. Uh, how ludicrous! I mean, anybody you tell, it doesn't matter where it's in their family, a business. Everybody knows you can't just. Do this on and on and on and on. We're, we don't have, this, this country does not have a revenue problem. We got a spending problem. And we gotta, we gotta overcome it. Talking with Alan Balcom, who's running for Congress in District 8 against five other candidates. Early voting started on Thursday, February 15th, and 
The primary day is March 5th. As you, what's your main goal as you try to fill out these last two and a half weeks, three weeks going into the actual election day through early voting? Like, what's the game plan? What's, what's your goal through all this? Well, uh, first off, to get the most votes. <laughs> and I say that uh, somewhat facetiously, but in, to do that, it's making certain that as many people as I possibly can are aware of where I stand, what my, my position is on the, on the different segments and the, my value systems and my beliefs. And uh, it's, it's ultimately up to the voters to make that valued decision. And uh, I just want them to have all the information. Will you be going to any of the polls during this, you know, uh, during the, you know, the primaries and then on election day? Sure. Absolutely. Love seeing the people. When we return, we'll continue our conversation with Alan Balkum, who's running for Congress in District 8. And there's some quite, uh, and there's quite a few questions that I want to ask him about the other candidates. So we'll talk about that when we return. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Now let's go over to the WBT Newsroom with Anna Erickson. Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen on this Friday night here on News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Again, guys, if you follow me on X, then you would understand that Alan Balkman was going to be in studio with me tonight as we wrap up our District 8 preview to the primary. All right, so, Alan, I, I want to get into some of the other things. One of the biggest things that Lee Brown said two nights ago was that when she ran for Congress in this what is essentially the same district, with a little bit of changes. Back in 2019, when there were 10 candidates, when Dan Bishop eventually won, actually won going away. But she said the biggest criticism that she constantly kept hearing was she didn't live in the district. And they said, hey, we like you, but you don't live in the district. And then she said, now I'm running. And people said, thank goodness you finally live in the district. She said, you know, one of her biggest criticisms was, that there are people that do not pay property taxes within the district. John Bradford has been on the record at the debate, and then again last night, that he would buy land and build a house in the district and not rent an apartment but actually pay property taxes. But Lee Brown kept calling them carpetbaggers. Is Mark Harris and uh, John Bradford, are, do you view them as carpetbaggers? <laughs> uh, carpetbaggers is a term we all comprehend and understand in the South, and uh, the reality is, I, uh, when I put it in perspective, yes. Uh, and and I, quite honestly, it's not about owning a home or renting an apartment here. It's about knowing the people. It's about representing the people. Uh, a big portion of this of this responsibility is representing people. It's not about just living here. But how can you represent the people? How do you know the people if you don't live here? If you live offshore, you know, in Lake Norman, uh, I, I, I don't understand that. I don't understand the, uh, the renting of an apartment just to be able to say, oh, I live in the district. Uh, it, I don't understand running in a district when you can't even vote for yourself. You know, it's it's those kind of uh, thoughts that just don't jive with me as being a representative to Congress for the people in your district. 
one of the things that Republicans are really harping on, and, and, and probably with good reason, is the fact that over the last two years, more than 5 million people have come into this country from south of the border through Mexico. And now there was a report on, I think, 60 Minutes that a lot of you know Chinese are coming into the town and coming across the border. And we know about the fentanyl and everything else. During your life, are you surprised that it's gotten to this point, that the border has become such an area that so many people don't even want to have a border? Like, does that even surprise you to we've gotten to where we are? It surprises me that we've gotten to – it's not just surprise, it's shock that we've gotten to this point because we've always been a country that we respected our borders, we appreciated our borders, we controlled our borders. And, and if you wanted to come here as an immigrant, we had laws and rules of which you could follow. And now just an open-door policy, anybody can come and, and they can – they can be here and do whatever. And no, I don't understand this. It uh, and if one of the, you asked a while ago. Well, one of the first things I would do, the really the the first thing I would do would attempt to do would I would want to work with with President Trump on his America's First agenda and let's stop it now. And uh, until we stop this bleeding, we can't control it. It was asked during the debate two weeks ago, and I believe by Brett Winnable was the one that asked the question when he said, and he specifically asked you about the border situation. He said, because you're uniquely qualified because you're a landowner and a farmer. And a lot of farmers and a lot of construction companies, you know, they tend to hire the migrant workers who may not even be here legally, but, you know, they're still cheap labor or whatever. I'm not accusing you of that. I'm just saying, but you're, you're aware of, you know, a lot of farms do that in California, everywhere. So you have a unique position in being able to talk about this firsthand. What is, like, first of all, how many of the, uh, of the immigrants have you had to dealt with, you know, from an employment standpoint, that you are, that what, illegal or legal otherwise? But when you speak to them, what is their, like, what is their biggest concern, like trying to get here? What's the biggest concern as a, as a business owner dealing with illegal immigrants? Well, there's several segments to that question. (laughs) Yeah, and I apologize. Those are a lot of word salad. I apologize about that. Well, let's start off. Yes, yes. Uh, We've employed H-2A workers through the H-2A program, legal program. And uh, we've brought uh, workers here from uh, Mexico and from South America. Most of them, quite honestly, from South America. And these are ones that come fluent in English. They come... uh, come Understanding how to operate equipment, trained. They under, they come with uh, the ability to drive trucks, and uh, with with commercial driver's license, and so th- th- there's there's that component. And it's not that. Make it clear, we're not displacing any American workers, because we do have to jump through all the hoops to make sure that Americans first that they have the opportunity, the right, the privilege of seeking these jobs first. But if they're not, then we as, as business people have the right and the privilege to go seek migrant workers. Now, if we don't have a, a, a migrant uh, source of workers, then you won't have fresh food 
currently in your grocery store. There will be lots of manufacturing you will not have. There will be lots of things that you, lots of services that you would be sorely missing if you don't have. And yes, I'm the one of these candidates that has an understanding of the challenges that you go through. And and it's not that you just willy-nilly go do this. You have to apply. And you have to you have to adhere to the rules, the regs, and these are you have to provide housing, and the housing has to be of standards. We had a situation four or five years ago where in an air conditioned house we had one little hole in the screen, and the, and the hole in the screen you couldn't put your little finger in, and it was turned down. It delayed us bringing workers in for about a month. That kind of uh, silliness in the process, and I call this a Barney Fife syndrome because you give a person a, a, a little bit of authority and they sometimes they take advantage of it. But we, we have to put common sense, and again, common sense being the key word, back into regs, back into enforcement of the regs. We're talking with Alan Balkum, who is running for District 8 of the congressional seat as we continue our preview to the primary, which uh, is on March 5th, and early voting is currently underway. The southern border is national security, which now leads us to things across the, across the Atlantic Ocean. And in terms of the defense system, because, you know, the southern border, you could have the defense and the army building the wall and everything else. So now let's cross over the, uh, cross over the Atlantic. I know I asked this question during the debate about Ukraine and, you know, whether to give them money or just weapons, because I asked everyone. But I didn't ask about the Israel situation. What's your thoughts on the Israel situation as well as funding and weapons and money going into Israel? So, number one, I, I don't think that Israel should be uh, a enjoined with any other country as far as a budget process, as far as support. But prior to, to that is my Bible tells me to support Israel. And that's it. I support Israel. So does that mean in terms of funding or weapons or all the above or what? Whatever it means to support Israel, I support Israel. When we return, we'll continue our conversation and wrap things up. I want to play word association with Alan Bogham like I have with some of the other candidates. We'll do that when we return. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Welcome back to the final segment of Breaking with Brett Jensen on this Friday night. 704-570-1110, as always, is the telephone number. And follow me on X at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest and breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. If you had followed me on X, then you'd realize that Alan Balkan was going to be my guest tonight. So, Alan, I want to talk about a couple of things. Lee Brown said on Wednesday that she's in favor of term limits. John Bradford said Thursday night he's in favor of term limits. Not a lot of congressmen seem to be in favor of term limits, though, because they they like their jobs. What are your thoughts about term limits? I've signed a pledge for term limits in Washington. And not only have I signed the pledge for term limits, 
I've also pledged that when elected, I will serve no more than three terms. Why is that? Because that is the quickest, easiest, simplest way that I know of to take and manage this swamp. I could say drain it. And that's what it really amounts to is draining the swamp. But then it starts on more than draining. It starts on a reclamation process because we are taking and we're growing new things then. We're starting with new people and new ideas and new thoughts that are coming from the people. And the people, as Jesse Helms said, the power of this country is in the voters, not in the elected officials. Endorsements. Some candidates really want them. Some don't care. What are your thoughts on endorsements? And have you gotten some rather what you consider to be pretty solid endorsements? Well, I'm proud of the endorsements I have. Uh, these are these are people that I've known a long time. But more importantly, they're people that have known me a long time. And this is uh, Sheriff Eddie Cathy in Union County. Uh, District Attorney Trey Robinson in Union County, Sheriff Jeff Crisco in Stanley County, District Attorney Lynn Clodfelter in Stanley and Montgomery Counties, and then our North Carolina Commissioner of Agriculture, Steve Troxler. And these are folks that do not give endorsements, but they have given me their endorsement in a primary. And I wear that endorsement by each one of them with honor and pride and privilege because it it is important and uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll take it to the to to Steve Troxler's to Commissioner Troxler's endorsement agriculture is the number one industry in this district even though we sit in the shadows of Mecklenburg now we're in Mecklenburg now and and Cabarrus growing the way it is, and Mecklenburg with its what it is, and the western side of Union County, uh, but still, agriculture is the number one industry in Union County, and the number one industry across the district. So, uh, I, I wear all those endorsements with pride. I want to play word association with you, and you can speak as little or as long as you want on each of these word associations. Don Brown. Smart. Lee Brown. Very nice lady. John Bradford. Foreigner. Mark Harris. Ouch. Explain that one. He keeps changing. Uh, Very smooth, polished. He's never won an election. And, uh, but he keeps running. And, uh, I asked him early on to uh, seriously look at his candidacy because there was three, three components. One is that it's not good for Christianity. Second, for his family. And third, for the Republican Party. So this, I told you at the beginning, I start every interview with the same question, and now I'm going to end the interview with the exact same thing that I and all interviews, whether I'm talking to an athlete or it doesn't matter. Is there anything that I did not ask you about that you want to talk about or any particular statements that you want to make, but the floor is yours for the next 90 seconds to two minutes? Well, thank you. 
first off, let's talk about what I'm not. And I'm not uh, seeking political asylum from the shores of Lake Norman. In the 8th District, <laughs> I, I've not rented an apartment here so I can vote here or claim to live here. And, and I am going to vote for myself. Uh, and I would ask people to just ask John Bradford who he's going to vote for, for to be his representative in Congress because he can't vote for himself, nor can any of his family. So uh, that's, that's one of the things. The other is that I'm a lifelong resident here. Uh, I've farmed across the district, do business in all the counties in the district, I know the people here. I know their values. I know their issues. I know their concerns. I know the challenges that's presented from a local, state, and national governments. I support organizations here. I pay taxes here. I'm vested here. And with that, I have the endorsements I've spoken of. I'm so proud of those because those are people that are local that know me. Then I go to the fact that as, as Jesse Helms, and Jesse is a mentor of mine, but Jesse always put the people of the district of, in, in his case, of the state, but I'm going to take it to the district. I will always put the people of the district first because I, one of the key components is that I am to be the representative. I am that liaison between who, what they're wanting done and what is being done in Washington, D.C. I'm to represent them. I'm to help them. I'm to assist them. And I, I will put the, the, the people of the district first. And I ask for support. I ask for a vote. I'm Alan Balcom. Well, you are Alan Balkum, and I do appreciate you joining me today on this, you know, again, to wrap up the primary preview, because I know the listeners appreciate it. I know the members of the District 8 appreciate it, because they've been able to hear all the candidates in long form and not just in, you know, 60-second answers or commercials or sound bites or whatever. So I really do appreciate you joining me on this Friday. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It, it uh, very conversational, and uh, if there's anything that anyone if, if it triggered any thoughts or questions from folks, contact me. Call me. I'll answer the phone. I'm Alan. I'm not Congressman Balcom. I'm Alan. All right. Well, thank you so much again. Thank you so much for your time today, and I really do appreciate it. And everyone, I would look forward to talking to you again next week. We don't have a show because on Monday it's a holiday, but we'll be back with you on Tuesday. Look forward to that. And we have another special guest on Tuesday. As we continue our preview to the primary, I am Brett Jensen, and you've been listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen.